When I was a young mom and my oldest son was a toddler, my family stayed for a week at my uncle's house overlooking the Chesapeake Bay. One early morning as the sun peeked out over the bay, a few stunning egrets flew close to the water, possibly in search of their morning breakfast. Trying to get my son's attention, I pointed him towards the birds and the sunrise that was painted orange in the sky. But all my son kept saying was, squirrel, 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 pointing at the squirrel on the porch. Even with such beauty in front of him, he was fixated on this common, small squirrel. Since that morning, this story has served me as a reminder to lift my gaze from the common enticements around me and to take in the glorious beauty of God. However, most of us, and myself included, live more or less ignorant or unaware of the cosmic grandeur around us. If your mind has been blown away by studying Ephesians 1-3, through then Paul, by the power of the Holy Spirit, has probably reached his desired outcome. We have all learned so much about the riches of God, the spiritual blessings freely given us in Jesus, and the multifaceted graces of Jesus' death and resurrection, and what that accomplishes in us and between us, his body. As a grand finale to chapters 1 through 3, Paul shares this prayer that he prays for the Ephesians, and we can assume for the rest of the churches that he has ministered among. To begin with, I want you to notice two things. First, we should notice that this is one of the few times in which Paul records bowing his knees in prayer. He probably actually knelt for many times to pray, but this is one of the few prayers in which he is recorded bowing his knees. Many of us can relate to the difference between the prayers that we pray between squeezed between the doing dishes and the running of kids to football practice and soccer practice and the prayers that we pray on our knees. You know, there is just a difference between prayers that bring us to our knees, such as the the passion and the desire or the the need that we have. And this is one of those prayers. So that's why I'm choosing to actually focus our study time, our teaching time on this prayer. The second thing I want you to notice is this little conjunction for this reason. By week three of this Bible study, we know that conjunctions are important because they really help us tease out the meaning of the passages. I think that when Paul says, for this reason I bow my knee, he is referring to all of the beauty and the depth and the complexity of chapters 1 through 3. But specifically, when we look back at verse 13, he asks the Ephesians to, quote, not lose heart over what Paul is suffering. In other places, this word lose heart is translated to not grow weary. For example, the Bible verse that many of you are probably familiar with, do not grow weary in doing good, for at a perfect time you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. In light of Paul's passion for his churches that he planted to not grow weary and to not lose heart, he launches into this impassioned prayer that is centered around the strength that God provides for each one of us. And as you noticed by studying these verses, this is a Trinity-centric prayer. As we have studied throughout Ephesians thus far, the very first day of each week is prioritized to mark the references to God, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know, we do this at the beginning because the Bible is first and foremost a book about God. If God is our treasure, then the Bible is our treasure map. 
Hopefully you have noted this already, so this just serves as a review. But Ephesians verses Ephesians 3 verses 14 through 21 teaches that God, creator of all people, is rich in glory, that Christ loves us more than we can even comprehend, and that the Holy Spirit strengthens us with power in our inner being. You know, I don't want you to think of these as as lanes or or as linear, but this is an intertwined mesh of the working of the Holy Spirit, the Son, and God within us. I would say that all of this is pretty mind-blowing and life-altering. So let me ask you, how might your life shift if these realities settled into your heart and mind? What if in seasons of exhausting work or dark trials, we bowed our knees and prayed that that according to the riches of His glory, our inner souls would be strengthened with power through His Spirit? Imagine what difference it would make in your attitude, your heart, your peace, your contentment, if this was a daily morning prayer for you. Let me give you an example in my own life. Currently, one of my callings is to be a military spouse, and as much as I I do truly love it and as beautiful as it is, you know, it comes with varying degrees of difficulties. One of them is the amount of times I have to pack up my family, uproot my children and their young lives from all that is familiar to them at that point, and then plop them down in a new city to grow new roots in a new community. As I was studying Ephesians for myself back in June, my family was actually completing our 14th move. As I was working through some of the physical labor and the emotional tolls of another goodbye and packing up of boxes, this idea of the riches of God's glory strengthening me with power replayed in my mind throughout the day. I don't want us to think of God's riches as a bank account. For example, that God has $1 million of glory, let's just say just to use that example, and that he gives us a portion of that million dollars for our strength. But rather, I want us to think of it more like a stamp, or better yet, perhaps like the paintings we all did as small children, where we painted on half a piece of paper and then folded it over to make a print. So I was, I was physically and emotionally moving. I thought often, Well, according to the riches of his glory, which are incalculably infinite, he imprints his power on my inner being for my strength. So that as I mothered, I can be strengthened with power to help my children process the loss and the replanting. I can find the inner fortitude to find joy to display to my children, even in the midst of my sadness. And I can demonstrate absolute trust that he carries us through the unknown. All of this is the inner working of God in our hearts through faith in him. If I'm being honest, the inner work of God's power strengthens me to do things that I really couldn't do on my own, to find peace and joy and contentment, and to be able to demonstrate trust, all of that is just what God's powerful work does within me, and I really couldn't do that on my own. It really strengthens us to do the extraordinary, to lament with hope and rejoice in suffering, to have peace in a storm and love our enemies, to forgive the unforgivable and to touch the leper. All of this begins with the riches of his glories being imprinted on our lives. And specifically, as Paul points out in verse 18, 
to have strength to comprehend with all the family of God the breadth and length and height and depth of Christ's love. I think it is interesting to note that Paul doesn't ask that we would be able to comprehend God's love, rather that we would have strength to comprehend his magnificent love, a love that is infinite and all-encompassing, a love that is deep, tall, wide, and long, a love that you cannot escape from or step away from. So when you are discouraged, we will pray for the strength to comprehend his love. And when we feel defeated, we can pray for strength to comprehend his infinite love. And when we sorrow, we can pray for strength to comprehend his infinite love. And when we repent, we will pray for strength to comprehend his infinite love so that we would be filled to the fullness of him. Think about a balloon. You know, there's a difference between a balloon being blown up part of the way and then a balloon being filled to all the fullness. And we want to be like that balloon that is just filled to all the fullness of God so that as we go throughout our day, the imprint of God in us would so fill us that everyone will see God shining through us. Can you imagine the difference that this would make in your community? And if we are all part of this, that this is the difference that we can make in this world. In closing, with this in mind, this is what I'm going to do this week, and I encourage you to possibly do this week. Write out verses 14 through 21 in a prominent place and memorize them this week. Maybe tape it to your bathroom mirror or above your sink or in the front of your journal and reflect on the rich abundance of God and how that strengthens you to do his calling in your life. That the riches of his glory, which are incalculably infinite, are imprinted with power in your inner being for your strength. Let me close our time in prayer. Father God, this world does truly require more courage than we could ever have imagined. And we thank you that you have supplied all of our needs and that your riches of glory are imprinted on our hearts to strengthen us in our inner being, that we may know that we may have the strength to grasp the height and the depth, the width and the breadth of your love, that we are covered in every single aspect of our lives so that we are filled to the fullness of God. We thank you, Lord, that you are what we need, and you are all we need. And we praise your holy name. Amen. While you guys have made it through half of the study of Ephesians, I am so proud of you for persevering in a summer where schedules and routines are totally uprooted. We are going to be finishing up Ephesians 4 through 6. And as we do, I want us to just always keep in mind Ephesians 1 through 3, or else we are going to jump into Ephesians 4 and turn on our legalism button. And we definitely don't want to do that, keeping in mind who has empowered us to walk our faith out for his glory. We will see you next week in Ephesians 4 here on Bold Mercies. And please head to heatherjjohnson.com, subscribe there, and you will be able to receive these Ephesian studies for the summer of 2023. Have a great week.